you're listening to Art of the Flow. Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast that tells our stories of running a float center. We love to give tips on starting and running your float center. And as always, you can find us at Art of the Float on Facebook, on Twitter at Artful Floating, and join the conversation. Uh, leave a speak pipe on artofthefloat.com. That's also where you can find our show notes, links, pictures, all that good stuff. But we love hearing from you, and we'll be playing a few of those next week. I am one of your hosts, Dylan, of The Float Shop in Portland, Oregon. I run The Float Shop with Sandra Calm, my wife. I'm joined with Lance of The Float Shack in Red Deer, Canada. Hello, everyone. And I am joined with Amy of Float Nashville. How are you doing, Amy? I am fabulous. How about yourself? So good. I'm really good. I actually just got out of a float, so that always helps. Oh, it's uh, kind, of a, kind of a rare thing for me on a Tuesday to get a float in, so... Ever since the um, construction stopped on our new isopod tank, things um, have been a little bit more more chill and actually got to, to sneak in a 60-minute float, which is a little shorter than I prefer, but is still very nice. Very nice. Does this mean you're going to be extra awe-inspiring this week? I'm uh, feeling pretty deep, feeling pretty centered, nice. and very in touch with all my chakra points, yes. So it, I, I it. Might, might drop some, some heavy stuff tonight. Uh, no, actually, you you, you want to know the truth? I was um, I was thinking about the podcast. I was thinking about, of course, the float shop, and I was uh, just bouncing around with a, a lot of different things and and um, some family members. And I I would say the midway point, but I don't really know at what point it was. But I thought, oh my god, I haven't thought about my daughter, my baby, on on the way, daughter, this entire time, and I started to feel guilty about that. And uh, it's hard to feel guilty when you're in a float tank. It's, it's really interesting. And that, that kind of washed away very quickly of, of uh, any kind of blame or feeling bad about myself not thinking about my little one. And like as if not thinking about her for 45 minutes would mean that I'm not going to be a good father or anything like that. And so that, that was actually kind of a nice little, little moment in, in the tank. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, sometimes I feel really energized after after a uh, float, and this time I felt just super chill, super calm, and that's that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. So that is where I'm at. Um, I want to hear about your guys' week, but of course, first I want to give a shout out to Float Away, uh, the manufacturers of Tranquility Float Tanks, the Float Cabin, and the Float Around. Um, they're an awesome company that we've been working with for years and years and years. And I actually have to give a correction. Last week I said that their new float tank was going to be installed, replacing our old float tank. We actually decided to do a little switcheroo so that they're actually going to um, bring their new float tank to be displayed at the float conference. So you'll get to actually be able to see those little star lights and all that stuff at the conference. And then we'll install it immediately after then because there's no time I have more energy than right after the float conference. So that'll be a ton of fun. <laughs> but they'll actually be there. Colin and Jenny will be there to help me install it. So that's going to be extra super duper cool. Um, so you can still try a Tranquility float tank at our center, of course, um, but it's not going to be all new with all the bells and the whistles. Sandra's been convincing me to add extra things to the float tank. So like I knew uh, the stars was, was going to be a thing because I know she's a big fan of that when she floated in uh, Tulsa. But uh, 
Now we're doing color therapy and also a light switch button from inside the float tank that actually turns on the, the light outside of the float tank, um, which I think is totally smart. She didn't have to <laughs> twist my arm too hard on that one. Floataway.com is where you want to go, www.floataway.com if you want to check out their float tanks, which of course I highly recommend. And uh, let's see here. I, uh, I was um, smelling patchouli the other day and it got stronger and stronger. And then I heard the rolling, like, kind of like a thunder, but it didn't stop. And then I realized it was Lance on his skateboard. <laughs> and Lance left a video <laughs> on Facebook in Float Tank Facilitators, the, the float group, which you should all be a part of. And uh, he had some pretty, pretty strong feelings on his, uh, his hippie travel device. What, what did you want to... What were you talking about, Lance? What do you want to share? Uh, yeah, please. Well, that was sort of a, a spur of the moment video, but there is some um, something that's been bugging me is like I seen it come up in some comments on on the group saying that um, people just want to paint their walls to hide the salt, and um, I, I don't understand the whole philosophy of having to hide something or mask something because essentially hiding your problem or masking your problem doesn't get you ahead. It doesn't get you anywhere but in trouble. Um, I've also seen uh, various people complaining that salt is the biggest problem that they've ran into running a float center. Um, we haven't had very many problems with salt. Um, I think that's because we clean it up. You know, if we see salt anywhere, we clean it up. We have white trim. If we let it sit on that white trim, by the end of the day, if that salt's on there for... 12, 16 hours, that salt's going to be eaten away. But if we get it while it's wet, it's gone. It's clean up. There's nothing to worry about. So I just I just don't want to get in this habit in the industry, especially in such a young infant stage, that we start masking our problems, covering up our problems. For one, if we start covering up simple things like salt, what else are we going to be covering up? What else are we trying to hide? You may have white walls that may not be easy to see, but if somebody puts their hand on there and feels that dry, salty wall, what's going to go through their mind? If they can't wipe the salt off the wall, are they cleaning inside their tank? You know, are they cleaning their showers? Like, what else is going on? So I just want to express to a lot of people that salt may not be the biggest killer. Lack of maintenance may be the biggest killer. It doesn't take long to clean that wet water off your walls before it crystallizes. I just want people to like put in that little extra effort and it will save you so much on a preventive scale. Spending my life as a mechanic, I learned fix the problem where it starts. You know, if, if you're having to replace the bottom two feet of your walls because your drywall starts to absorb the salt and bubble out and your paint and your floor and all this stuff, that's because you're letting your water sit there. It's soaking in. Just don't do that. That's just my two cents. I seem like quite passionate about this because, you know, if you're not willing to clean up your salt, the float center that's open up down the street, they'll clean their salt and they'll take your clients because that's what's going to be happening. <laughs> clean up your salt. Those little things go the distance. They really, really do. It's the little things that stick out the most and... I know. That's, that's why I see it. And I, I have to add to that. Uh, even if people don't notice it on a conscious level, usually people walk into a room and on a subconscious level, they are picking things up like that. There's just a different feel of a room 
that is clean and you may not consciously be thinking, oh, it smells really fresh or it smells like cleaner. Um, uh, so even on a subconscious level, I think people pick up on that. Yeah, and you can put it in sort of a metaphysical term. I was talking to my business partner, Matthew, about this. It was like, all these hippies that run these float centers are worried about leaving energies in rooms. If you own this float center and you're leaving salt on the wall, you're leaving your dirty energy all over the wall, clean that up. You know, get it crisp and clean for the next people. You know, our, our view since day one has been every time somebody goes in that float room, that float room should look like they're the first person to float in there. And that's how I want it to feel. That's just us, though. And that's what we choose to maintain. You don't have to maintain these standards. You can leave salt wherever you want. There is no rules in this industry. There are rules, but, you know, they're the standards you set. You know, so, how uh, high do you want to set the bar? So I, I want to start by saying I, I do agree with you. I, I am, A, a proponent for, like, the non-clinical feel of a float center and float room, so not just everything all being whitewashed. Um, but I also – so let, let's play – Oh, and so I also just want to say, I was told before opening our uh, float center that, you know, you think that you're getting into the business of floating people. Actually, you're getting into salt maintenance and salt, just like salt in the hallways, salt everywhere, salt, salt, salt. And we didn't find that at all. And I I think it had to do with the fact that we were just right from the get-go, perhaps because we had that fear. We were super regimented about maintenance and cleaning and just making everything, making sure everything was super dialed in. Uh, before opening, closing, and like you're describing, in between floats as well. All the way to to the lamp. I, I hate it. Ooh, boy. I know uh, our, our my employees listen to the show, but I absolutely hate it when I can feel a crystal on the lamp if I pull the, oh, pull the light switch. Ma- it makes me yeah, go yeah. bonkers. There should be no reason that should have any salt on it whatsoever. That should be go-to every single time. But... Um, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to go too far into that. What I want to play is the, the devil's advocate part, which is it can be very difficult to spot water, um, salt water, while it's wet. It just looks like standard water, uh, or you, you don't see it at all, as opposed to when it crystallizes. So let's say somebody uh, goes in for their float. Let's say they get out 10 minutes in. They, they forgot the earplugs or something like that. Then they get back in. That salt is going to crystallize while they're in the tank, and when they get out or by the time you get back in there, you're going to see that salt. However, the salt that they leave on the way out at the end of their 90 minutes or 60 minutes for a lot of float centers, um, that's just going to look like water to you, or you're just going to miss it all uh, completely. And so I could see there being some um, some safety in there being white walls so that you the next person in doesn't see it at all. Um does that make sense? So if you miss it and the next person comes in while it's starting to dry or later uh, during their float, they still don't see it. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. I think I, I, I just think you need cleaned up. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's all I think. I don't I can't even agree with anyone leaving any salt. I can't find any excuse for it. I don't care what if you have FRP, if you have fiber. I don't care what you have. I just I think you should clean it up, you know, as soon as it's there cleaned up. We have designed our rooms where people will only move certain parts of the room. And we have certain areas of the wall and certain area of the floor that will attract the salt. People's hands, where the water flows. It's not much to clean up. It's not like we're doing every single wall in the float room. It's Mm -hmm. the high traffic areas. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, You've designed the room in a very specific way. So there's stuff uh, in order to, to make that happen. 
uh, and to set those high standards and to set the high bar, it all starts with how you plan your room, how you plan, because you can plan, you can, you can move people in the way that you want to move them, but it has to start with that. And also you do have to create that as part of your cleaning routine. I know sometimes if you just go in, I'm not sure, uh, we have a cleaning routine. We teach cleaning in a very specific way. Every time you walk into the room, this needs done, this needs done, this needs done. You do this, you clean this, you switch this, you put a sanitized tray in. Um, and so it's part of our routine. Um, and it's part of our, it's written down as part of our routine. And it's um, on a checklist that they use when they're in training as mm -hmm. part of the routine. Um, so you do have to do some pre-planning. But once it's done, and once people are trained, yeah. it, it isn't so hard. It really isn't. But you do have to put a lot of thought and effort into it at the beginning. Some of these things we've done since day one. So with our, without our employees seeing other float centers, they don't know the difference. Mm -hmm. They don't mm -hmm. know that some float centers will leave the salt to the end of the day to clean it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's, they're going, what? Are you kidding me? That's, right. that's just what they know. But that's, again, the standard we set from day one. We had a, we had a maintenance checklist, like, like Amy said, where in between changes, you'd, you'd go down, clean the salt, remove the towels, you know, get this clean the shower pan, dry this, you know, it was a checklist and they did it every single day until it was just the norm. That's, that's what we do. Yeah. I, I think Amy, I know you said Lance hit the nail on the head, but I'm going to say you hit the nail on the head with mm -hmm. just, uh, and, and what Lance said too, is just, it's scheduled maintenance and it's training your employees right from the very beginning and holding yourself to the standard too, if, if you're doing it, but just maintaining that standard. So like like you said, Lights, if you've never been to another float center, you would just go like, yeah, this is how it's done. Of course, this just makes yeah. makes the most sense. Um, yeah. And can I say that, that from the beginning, oh, it's been a learning process for us. There was a lot of spots we missed. We weren't as good in the beginning of keeping our equipment clean. Um, but that said, that problem's been taken care of now. And I, I will tell you the big changing point for me is as I was going online near the beginning and looking at reviews of other float centers, mm. what I was seeing is people mm. were going in and taking pictures <laughs> of certain areas of the float center and making comments about how, oh, this is gross, and I uh -huh. see this in the corner. And uh -huh. I'm like, so my big motiv motivation at the start was I was terrified that somebody, because people do, social media, we're float centers, uh -huh. Uh, people come and take pictures. I was terrified somebody would find something in the room, take a picture, <laughs> and put it out there. <laughs> it works for me. It may not be a motivator for someone else. Um, but Should be. every time I see somebody post a picture of our float rooms online, I'm almost afraid to look. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God, did we forget something? Is there going to be something yucky in there um, that will make me cringe? Um, this past week, somebody posted a picture um, with a flash on the inside of our tank, mm. which shows everything mm. an oasis tank thank god our tank was clean and our water looked good mm -hmm. but I, I live with that with that terror <laughs> <laughs> I it, live every day it's good terror if not terror uh, good <laughs> discipline right to, to be thinking about those things like i'm three out of four of our float tank uh filter systems are covered but our floatarium tank the one whose pipe burst is fully exposed and it doesn't look good at all and that's something I've been embarrassed about for, for years and nervous about. Every time the float conference, every year that comes, I'm like, yeah, people are going to see this. And what, what do I hold a drape, a, a curtain over it? Uh, it wouldn't really work great in this particular situation. So I'm, I'm glad that we're rebuilding it. Um, but yeah, that's I, I completely agree. 
and wow, yeah, a flash on your water. That's a little scary. <laughs> oh, that picture that your water looked beautiful, Amy. I don't think Thank you have anything you. to worry about. You're, you maintain some pretty high standards compared to some people I've seen <laughs> out there. But that's a good point with um, the review thing because to the uneducated eye, um, that big salt monster, that big pile of salt that's coming out, that leaking filter cap, um, that could, you know, they don't know if that's a bacteria growth, you know, what is that beast okay. growing? So, um, yeah, that's, I've never even thought of really the review side. I just, I don't want stuff to break. I don't want to be replaced with stuff due to salt. Every week what we do um, with our pump packs is we basically just soak them with our vinegar water solution. Then we just have a pile of old towels and we just sort of shove it through everything and clean up what we can. And, you know, usually there's not much of a mess, but yeah, we just soak everything down and make sure all that salt is gone. But nice. there are st still some corners where it is pretty hard to get clean, but you know, we'll sometimes put a rag on a stick or something and try and get in there because, you know, someone may not see that. But to me, you know, I feel comfortable knowing that very far corner that no one's ever going to see is, is salt free, you know. Yeah. And it's funny, this week at our, we had a staff meeting this week. And it was interesting that not Mark nor I, but one of our employees brought up, hey, I'm, you know, I'm having issues. I'm seeing some salt building up a little bit on the filter. <laughs> um, and nice. my employees said together, made an agreement that during the cleaning system, they agreed to go back. If they see salt on the filter on the uh, equipment, they would spray it down real quick and make it part of their routine, which, um, you know, awesome. of course, warms the heart. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but they noticed too. And when you train your employees, they will take care of that stuff. They'll find ownership and they'll take care of it. And you'll find that it saves you so much time. Mm -hmm. And if you do have salt building up in the same place in your pump pack, you, you, you have a leak, you know, you have a leak that needs mm -hmm. to be fixed, whether it's an <laughs> O-ring or it's a pipe that's leaking. And if you have something like cloudy water, wherein you run your pump, and it stops and your water's cloudy for a few minutes, well, that's a sign of aeration. That's maybe where that's leaking out. You're not leaking much fluid out there, but it's able to suck air in there, and that air is being mixed in your system and giving you that aerated water. These, when, when salt is in a place like your filter pack, it's not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be inside your plumbing and inside your pump. I would so. assume, I, my first assumption would be that your water is low and it's sucking in air through your intake. Um, with, with if your if your uh, water's bubbly, cloudy, that would that would be my first thought. Not to say that it's not possible. Um, well, that's that's yeah. If you're running low water level, but if you can have your water, you know, you're at, that. yeah, you don't want to hear that because, <clears throat> sorry, from a mechanical standpoint, that's actually called that's called cavitation. So when you're sucking in air like that from um, the point of entry, um, that's called cavitation, where you're actually sucking air into the system and um, if you were to what would happen is those tiny little bubbles would actually meet with your impeller and they could explode and those tiny little bu air bubbles explode in your system they can leave little tiny dents and stuff on your impeller inside your fluid end which will then cause it to wear out especially by the seals so you don't want air in your system now these are a non-positive displacement pump, which means they do not create pressure. So if you were to restrict your intake somewhere, that motion from that impeller moving would actually create more air bubbles. That's called aeration, and that will be thrown into your system. So there's cavitation and aeration. Aeration is created by the system, and cavitation is from sucking in from an outside point. So if you do have an air leak in your system on the suction side, 
suction side yet, you could have air entering your water. And like we talked about last week, just as a reminder, in our part two of our water maintenance uh, schedule, there could be some issues if you have um, cloudy water. It could actually interfere with um, with the way that your you if you use UV light, the way that your UV light works. So yeah. something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, for sure. And that's you know basically what we're saying with this is what I'm saying is if you see salt somewhere, um, it shouldn't be there. It should you be inside it, your float tank. Yeah, if you see it, clean it. It's a zero oh. salt policy. <laughs> That's what we have. You see salt, clean it. Like, Brutal. Uh, I'm curious about other points of view on this. So if you're listening to this and you're outraged, um, or just not outraged, but just have a different thought on it, I'd love to hear a, a speak pipe on this, to hear a counter, Please. just because all three of us are pretty much in agreement, but I don't think everybody yeah. is. So I'd, I'd love to hear um, other sides to this argument or discussion. Yeah, uh, I know Lance, there are... Uh-oh. I was no, just say, we're done. No, we're done, are... Lance. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I know there are people that don't agree with me. I, some people got pretty heated in that comment thread. And... Oh, really? I got to jump in there. All right. Yeah. Luckily enough, I do have a podcast to um, <laughs> vent my opinions <laughs> on every week. So um, Nice. Uh, it's cathartic. It's nice. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Lance, you brought up uh, a podcast called uh, Gary V. I... Unfortunately, life tends to blur between reality and podcasting, so I'm not sure if it was on the air. I'm pretty sure you brought it up on the air, but uh, I, I, you seem to be a big fan, and I see you posting a lot of Gary V stuff. Maybe not a lot, but Gary V stuff online. And what, what do you like about Gary V? Or, or please uh, introduce uh, him uh, first, dang, and then tell dang. me what you like. Man, I don't really know the guy. I just started following him probably like three or four weeks ago, and his stuff has just been resonating with me. Like every every little two minute clip of his I listen to, it okay. just it seems to resonate. And uh, a lot of it's just talking about to stop being lazy and just start <laughs> hustling. Like if you want to make it, the only person that's going to make it is yourself. He says there's inspiration. You know, he says there's. I listened to one today where he's like, there's 300 million different ways in America to make it. Every single individual is different. And he's basically mm-hmm. saying, like, if you actually want to hustle, he said, take $100, go to the dollar store, buy $100 worth of stuff, go on eBay, and you will make, you can make, right. like, up to 700% on these dollar <laughs> store items on eBay. He's like, anyone can do it. There's 100 ways to do it. Go to a thrift store, buy something, buy something of quality, sell it on eBay. There's... There's so many ways to make it. Just start yes. hustling. And I know sometimes I get in the, I, I get, I fall into a, a, sl- a slope, I guess. I don't know where my hustle sort of starts to die off a little bit. I don't know if it's not really burned out, but you go in cycles, you know, where you start, you get all your work done, you're feeling good. And then there's some weeks where you're just, you need a little motivation. He just seems to be someone that I can just give me that little kick I need to, to get my work done. Nice. So. Cool. I, I, totally dig that and and let me oh sorry going i was gonna say the other thing about gary v that i think is really awesome i've been following him for a few years um and there's some things about him that drive me absolutely crazy but i love (laughs) him for the reasons that lance just mentioned the other reason i love gary v that i think resonates i think with just the float community Hmm. is he's very much into uh relationships this is about Hmm. relationships this is about Hmm. um that building business is about going out of your way doing doing the right thing um, you know, uh, I, keeping it on the up and up. So I think, uh, he's pretty inspirational in that way. And some people might, might find him a little rough, uh, sometimes, but, um, he's got a lot of good, good things too. Sweet. That's awesome. I, 
I dig that a ton, actually. Everything you've described about him, I really like, especially in a not not especially in a world where business can just be so cutthroat and nasty. To have somebody out there supporting relationships and kind of kind of morality, if you will, it's pretty awesome. Um, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say he sort of had like one of his goals was to buy the New York Jets, and he was sort of a <laughs> like an immigrant to America, and he basically did what he had to do to the point where he could purchase the New York Jets. And just someone that has that type of motivation that can come from, right. you know, almost, you can't say nothing, but very little, and to the point where you're buying a multi-million dollar franchise like that. Like, that's, you know, that guy has to have some wide, wise words of education for anyone who's on the journey to become an entrepreneur. Well, I think that's really fascinating, the idea of where you set your glass ceiling, because his glass ceiling is to by, was it the Jets or the Knicks? What did you just say? I'm sorry. The Jets. The Jets. Yeah, I'm a big sports fan. So he wants to buy the Jets, uh, whereas somebody else might want to buy a house. You know, like that's, that is their, boom, I have arrived. Or I have the white picket fence. You know, like whatever it is, he set his way up there. So he is going to have to hustle. He's going to have to move and shake it for him to get there. And so I think that's a really important thing for any entrepreneur is where are you putting your, I call it a glass ceiling, but where are you putting your benchmark of achievement? With that being said, I also find that to be a very scary thing because it means you can prioritize that achievement above other things. Um, and, and this is actually why I asked, and now I'm starting to think maybe I should actually listen to him more and get a better feel for him. But uh, this hustle and drive feel. Um, so like I, um, like almost one of the most common things when I do consulting, which by the way, if you're interested in consulting, there's a button on artofthefloat.com. Um, and <laughs> shameless plug, uh, one of the first conversations is always so are you going to start franchising multiple locations like what's what's your game plan because it's like okay the float shop is established i don't have to go into work and what what's next and and i'm still figuring that out to be honest but um i want my life to be in balance and so starting a franchise for me doesn't sound like a like a ton of fun for me of just what motivates me but um I like to spend time with my wife. I'm going to want to spend time with my child. I, I like rock climbing. I, I want to spend time on the wall. Like I have these, I want, to, I want to be physically healthy. I want to be emotionally, spiritually. Like I want some kind of a balance. And even if that's not a true sense of balance, that's what I want to be working on. And I want to be working on myself on these multiple different, different levels at any given time. So if my whole priority is to buy the Portland Trailblazers, then... I can kind of say say la vie to my family because that's that's my new priority because I, I would have to to be able to buy the, the Portland Trailblazers. So I start thinking, does Gary V have a girlfriend? Does he cycle through girlfriends? Does he have a wife? Like what where is that at? And then what about other aspects of his life? And and perhaps it's even possible to be Gary V, be in a very happy relationship and have friends who they're all super motivated. Um, but that's not me. And I'm not sure that's what I want to be. Does any of this make any sense? Sure. Like, and and actually, you should listen to a little bit more about him. He, okay. He's married, has, has two kids, <laughs> and, it's, um, and he's very big into family first. Nice. And that's like Sweet. a part of his big shtick. So, nice. Um, yeah, he's, you know, he does talk a lot about that. Um, awesome. I yeah, I do need to give him more time. This, but, and and I think also – oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
just going to say that work-life balance, you have to have that. And he always talks about this 51-49 where you give 51% and you take 49%. Always give more than you're taking. <laughs> and he says uh, a lot of the magic happens that way. Nice. And patience. <laughs> but sorry, keep going. Patience, <laughs> yeah. I dig that too. I, I think he might have fallen into like a, uh, um, a category in my head of a lot of stuff I've been reading and hearing from people where – just that idea of making a million bucks is so important and, and, and cash roll is important. And, um, and that's just something I've been battling. I, I have no, no answers or anything, but it's just something I've been noticing in myself kind of churning and bubbling. And, and I don't know where I, I want to go with, with that stuff. I, 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 it annoys me and I'm not talking about Gary Vee at this point, but it annoys me that people don't talk about the product and the experience as much when they're talking about making their, your million. They're like, Oh yeah, your million. It, it's assumed that, that your product's good, but it's about the marketing and it's about, you know, somebody doesn't respond to you until they've been, uh, you hit them up eight times. Statistically speaking, you have to, it's the eighth, uh, point of contact. How many times do you reach out to somebody? And I'm like, Hey, if somebody wants to do consulting with me, they should get in touch with me. Like, if, if you're not that motivated, I'm not going to be emailing you weekly to, to take your money. That's not what's motivating me. What's motivating me is a relationship and building your float center. Like, I, I, though that is how I operate. And so, uh, well, this wasn't exactly in our game plan for today's show. <laughs> That's a little insight to what's been going on in my mind of uh, just what, what is next for me. Call it a midlife crisis. Call it me being a father in, in a few short months. I don't know, but, but those, those questions have been weighing on me heavily, and people either turning me on or turning me off have been pretty, pretty polarized, I would say. You need to jump in that float tank some more. My <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Actually, that, that's not a bad statement because I've barely been floating the last uh, month here. Ever since we went to a wedding in Montana, I've barely gotten the float tank for any amount of time. So that's, that's not a bad, <laughs> bad statement. Um, let's see here. Oh, Amy, I'm really excited to hear about your week. Um, <laughs> cause while everybody else is on their phone ch- chasing around Pokemon, <laughs> you're on your phone chasing those people chasing foot Pokemon. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I talked about, we had the staff meeting this week. Uh-huh. Um, and we really opened it up and allowed our peeps to to talk, which is uh, which is how it should be all the time. Um, but uh, so one more thing we discovered is everybody in my office is into Pokemon, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, that was kind of dominating the conversation. So two things happened. Uh, number one, I did. I, I've been feeling overwhelmed. Uh, we've got a lot going on, so mm. I handed over our Snapchat account to the employees. Uh, so I, I purchased a separate phone uh, for the office, so the employees are encouraged to pick that up. And now, by the way, that's not for everyone to do. I think you should be really aware of your employees and feel very comfortable with it uh, before you do that. But I did turn that over to them. Um, they are a beautiful, creative bunch who are very, who I'm very secure um, that they know what the boundaries are. We talked a little bit about that. But uh, we also downloaded Pokemon. So today, <laughs> oh probably a big mistake. But no, no. Is uh, that today, free? Mark and I, <laughs> is, it is free. It is, okay. Free app. Uh, so Mark, who, by the way, did a, his first Facebook Live this past week mm. and then couldn't figure out how to turn it off <laughs> <laughs> and handed the phone to me. 
Oh, no. Um, and I didn't realize that he wasn't off. <laughs> nice. So I'm, like, holding it. And t- oh, damn. And the next thing I know, I, I turned it off when I finally realized. But, of course, the picture, by the way, on Facebook for our Facebook oh, no. Live is me with a really strange look on my face. <laughs> like, what? Um, yeah, that was great. We'll, uh, we'll so, go ahead and throw that up on artofthefloat.com if you yeah. want to see oh, that. Oh, <laughs> really fun. Uh, <laughs> but he learned now. You <laughs> learned real quick. Uh, so Mark and I were talking and kind of playing around today. Uh, and we, I was reading a little bit about it online, uh, and the reason was because one of my employees said that a bar that she uh, has a friend who's a bartender, they have started um, throwing out, I guess they're very close to a, what they call a Pokestop, Pokemon stop, um, throwing out lures and bringing it, I mean, and the bar has absolutely flourished because people are coming oh, to find these Pokemon. Crazy. I, I may be saying the wrong terminology. I'm 44 years old. And no, I'm really, I think you're I'm bang trying. on, Amy. I'm not laughing at your terminology. <laughs> no, I'm really seriously. You might have, somebody's laughing at it out there. They're throwing out these lures. I know this sounds crazy, but they're bringing in people. And I, a lot of people. A lot of people. And what is a lure? Did I space out or did I not so, catch that? No. So it's these, I don't know. They're these things that you purchase and you can activate them Uh-oh. at Pokestops. Wait, you Pokemon purchase? Stops on Through the app. With cash. With with cash. Okay. Right? So now you're spending paying money for this yeah, marketing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now but yeah, big money, it's a, a buck. Okay. <laughs> and they're throwing them out and they're making they're making money. So I'm like, okay, well that's all right, whatever. So Mark and I decide we, we set up three plans of how we're going to do some Pokemon marketing. Just for fun. Who knows in six months if this will be viable, but yeah, we figured yeah, yeah. it'll be fun. It'll be fun for the, the peeps, um, our peeps. And um, it'll be fun to experiment and measure. So Mark and I went out today, and we went around to all these Pokemon stops. And it was they're very easy to find on the app. And once you get there, it's very easy to find the people who are at the Pokemon <laughs> stops because they're all heads down and wandering <laughs> aimlessly around parking lots and things. Oh, funny. Um, but what we did is we made little packages with um, a few gift cards with different uh, monetary amounts on them and huh. some referral cards. And we put them in a little plastic bag along with a brochure. And we set them and took pictures of Pokemon with our bags. And, uh, and of course, the bags are now just being randomly placed in these spots for people to pick up. Interesting. Um, when they're out searching for their uh, Pokemon. How do they know that they can take the bag? Um, because it's just it's there for, and it, it has a little uh, Pokemon reference on it. Oh, no way. How mm, funny. Yeah. I, uh, yes. So that was our first foray okay. into Pokemon. Uh, we are also looking to do, uh, working to do a geotagging. Nice. Uh, because yeah. we actually have a Pokestop and a gym very, very close to ah. us. So we're going to be doing um, some geotagging with Facebook ads. And uh, we are also going to, I know this sounds crazy, we're going to release some incense. It's a part of the game, once again, something you can purchase. <laughs> um, and uh, encourage people to look for the rare Pokemon around our area. Um, and bring in, oh, if they bring in a picture funny. of a rare Pokemon, they get uh, a certain percentage off their floats. Now, <laughs> that said, I don't think this is something that is for every float center. Uh-huh. I think it depends on the vibe of your float center. We have a lot of younger crowds mm. these days, and um, we've done a lot of this kind of silly stuff uh, from time to time. Uh, we like to have fun. And I encourage fun, so <laughs> I'm not sure uh, how how it's going to go, but we sure did. I have to admit, we had a fun time today. Nice. Sometimes that's, that's crazy, but man, we had fun. It's like some team building. Could be just as yeah. important. 
What what okay. is like the demograph for Pokemon Go? Is That's it like mid twenties? Because this brings me back to like my day of playing on my Game Boy Color when Pokemon <laughs> just came out, and it like, it, I don't know. What's the demograph for this? You know, I I don't know, but I'll tell you what. Uh, my friends on my Facebook page who are really <laughs> talking about it and really are in their mid thirties, late twenties, yeah. mid to late thirties. Yeah, yeah. I think um, and is... yet I know. Like That's your phone demographic, people. <laughs> yeah, right. There you know, go. right. The um, what's the Nintendo that came out with the the nunchucks? Like, uh, the kids were buying it, and and their parents were buying it. You know, like older people were 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 buying it. The uh, the control, the motion controllers. The yeah, Nintendo the motion. Wii. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. I, I think so. But anyway, it it was crazy how much it was selling to crazy demographics. This feels that way to me too. Where like, adults. I, so we, we're on a busy street, a pedestrian street, and I'm used to people staring at their phones while they're walking, but you can tell the Pokemon people. They, like, they hold it a little bit further away, I think, and they're, they're, they've got a furrowed brow, and sometimes they'll have a friend looking at their phone too. So like, these, these people look different looking at their cell phones when they're hunting Pokemon, and oh my god, they are everywhere. And uh, yeah, they seem to be all ages, as far as I can tell. I mean, I guess you have to be old enough to have a cell phone. I don't know. How young kids have cell phones these days probably that's probably not a, a restraint i'm sure kids have cell phones these days i don't but think you your kid doesn't have a trial a cell phone yet dylan yeah we dropped a we dropped a cell phone in there yeah absolutely <laughs> that's on the second ultrasound yeah i thought maybe you were just waiting a few months, just <laughs> it, a few months. It, it i caved i caved uh, i'm a big old pushover but this seems like totally and it's it's crazy to, to say this, but like exactly what Lance is talking about for the last few weeks with Facebook Live of you got to be on that cutting edge. Whatever that trend is, you can't be putting your feet up on your desk and waiting yeah. for people to figure out what the next one is. You have to have to be there to make the biggest difference. Yeah, um, if, if this yeah. is only around for six months and Amy spends this six months killing it, right. like yeah. you just ringed in at the right time, right? When yeah. it's new, right? When it's a fad, right? When it's, you know, so good on you, Amy. Thanks, man. And I'm so curious about um, Nintendo. Like, did they plan on businesses spending money to put lures in to attract people? Because that is fascinating. As of this moment, as far as I can tell, you cannot designate your business as a Pokemon stop. Uh-huh. But there are some businesses who who have been randomly, however the game huh. works, have been designated as Pokemon stops, and they are in Nashville. I've spoken to a few of them, and they are killing it. Damn. They are that, yeah. So, um, and the, how do you find yeah, out and, if and you're where you're? Um, you can look on the app. Uh. But you know, it's funny. I'm in the car <laughs> looking at this app, yeah. and we're driving by businesses, and I'm like, "Oh, there's a Pokemon stop." And then, sure enough, they have a placard outside their business Whoa. saying, "You know, yeah, we're a Pokemon stop. Trip Come on out. in." Now, yeah, I'm, whatever. I'm wondering if these are going to yeah. rotate like every few weeks. Right, like, I, right. I don't see one gym gets to rake in all the you know rewards for. I don't know. Well, as of, you know, there is a big opportunity for for the company to, you know, businesses can pay, I'm assuming. It, it, I would think that this is maybe where they're going, that businesses could pay uh-huh. to be a Man, stop that, in the future. Why they're not? talking about a way to why get not? some money. That, right? way, that uh, waves a lot of red flags for me, though. Like, you can have the wrong person, you know, attracting the wrong age of totally. children totally. into your house business yeah. dan whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah oh there's a lot of pitfalls there's already some big 
you know, big problems, uh, some some things that have come up. But it will be interesting to see how if it's first of all, if it's viable in six months to be a fad and be totally gone totally. and nobody remembers it and whatever, nobody gives a crap. Uh, but if it isn't, it's um, there's a lot of possibility. It'll be interesting to see how they roll it out. Way to jump on this one. Nice work. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, gotta have fun. So speaking of all the social media and everything, uh, or I, uh, Snapchat and, and uh, the Pokemon, I did, I've been doing the, the Facebook Live stuff, and I did my first uh, Free Float Friday on Tuesday thing. I talked about that, uh, I think, last episode, and just wanted to give a follow-up that we ended up having um, 2.2 thousand views of that video, which included um, a little tour, including our Tranquility Float Tank, and it reached uh, just shy of 6,000 people total. Um, and we had about, I think, 30 shares and uh, 35 comments, or 37, I think was the right number, uh, comments on that. So um, it certainly wasn't, it was, certainly wasn't Lance numbers, but I still felt like it was quite successful. And I think we'll do that about monthly, something like that, and still continue doing the Facebook Live videos. I think it's so such a great way where I just love the lack of production value that I can't make you see me differently through production like it's me it's me here talking about floating or introducing a float tank like it's very raw feeling and i think that is what people crave these days it's what i definitely really enjoy and uh it seems seems to be working so that's fun nice yeah uh, just off the top of your head lance do you know how many views your when you encourage people to share how many views those are getting uh, my reach was, I think right now it's about 20,000 and it was about 10,000 views, <laughs> maybe like nine, 9.5. That is insane. I don't know why that one did so well. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Maybe my audience is receptive to it or mm -hmm. maybe yeah. people like free stuff around here more than Portland. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know. I'm, I'm really curious. I'm curious if Portland is, is more saturated just in general with stuff and maybe it's it's easier to cut through that where you're at i, I don't know i don't know but uh another interesting thing that we did actually kind of kind of the having mike arnison on the seo guy who by the way if you haven't listened to that episode jump on it <laughs> pause this one go listen to that one and then and then join <laughs> us again um i'm just kidding about that but it's it's a really good episode uh I, we were talking about having uh, original content is so important or having basically content people actually want to see and having things like a blog on your, on your website can be really important. And so uh, we are – something I did, I don't know, six months a year ago was uh, a floater spotlight where I – we got a hold of, I think, six different people and asked them the same different questions. It was actually, <laughs> I brought up climbing earlier, it was actually inspired by a bouldering gym that I go to where they uh, put a, a spotlight on their climbers, and I thought that was really cool. Um, so we got their their permission, got a picture of them, asked them a set a number of questions, and I kind of sat on that and didn't do anything with it. There needed to be a little Photoshop work done and, and um, some editing and such, and finally I just said, Emily, this... This is yours. Do do this, please, because I, I clearly can't can't manage spinning this wheel. Uh, and so now, because of that, with just a little SEO push uh, from Mike, uh, we're going to start doing that monthly. At least that's the knock on wood target. Um, and so that went out in our email blast today. That'll also be a social media post that'll be linking back to our blog uh, when I get to that part of it. So um, just just kind of cool 
cool stuff and something that any float center can do, even if it, you're open day one, you can do a spotlight on yourself, you know, or your spouse or whomever to just get that ball rolling uh, with, with, you know, you can tell people about the float, but kind of having that first person perspective of, of what they get out of a float, I think is very interesting and content that people are interested in or want to see. Um, do you guys do anything like that yourselves? No, Lance? Oh, have not. Okay. We have not done a flip. Although, that said, over the last few weeks, we have done both audio and video of um, floaters after cool. they come out, asking cool. them questions in general. Mm -hmm. People who seem open to it, everyone's encouraged to just see if they want to talk for a few seconds uh, and ask a question. I, I think that would truly be the, the next level is people prefer to watch video these days rather than read. And so if you could actually have them on camera with those exact same questions, it would it'd be even more valuable. I think that's great. And although I was just bashing on production value just half a second ago, I think doing that with a little production value would be quite nice, even, yeah, even I, if it was minimal. I had an idea a while back. Um, we had a photo booth at one of the parties we had where people can just go up, press a button, and then it snaps photos. But uh -huh. um, I wanted to do some sort of like a, like a photo booth in our studio that you could record your video on and you would nice. save you know maybe 10 or 15 percent off the float <laughs> if like you went world. in there you basically pressed the button sat down on the couch and just just talked you know just nice. left your experience on video so oh, that's maybe cool. i will do that that's, oh man that's a really good idea yeah. uh, that's like the confession room in, in the real world on yeah. mtv that's perfect Hey, Lance, this reminds me, one of my favorite um, podcasts, uh, or not podcasts, so well, they vlog and they podcast, I suppose. Uh, but anyway, they actually have a, um, they have a cafe in Korea, and they have a booth at their cafe, and every week there's a question, and anybody can go in and oh, answer this wow. very specific question. They take all the footage and create a video, so every week there's a video release of huh. people answering this one question. That is cool. Uh, and every week the question's mm. different. That sounds wonderful. I like I, that a I lot. Got, I got to get on yeah. this. Emily, if you're listening to this, please remind me to remember this thing. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, okay. I, uh, I, you know, I didn't introduce it at the top of the show, but you probably got it from the title of the show. This episode is about competition. And I'm excited to talk about that because I've got some new news myself. But first, I want to give a shout out to the Float Conference, which is coming up sooner rather than later oh my gosh uh but uh there's a chance that we could actually speak at the float conference which is really exciting so if you enjoy listening to us on air which it seems like you do if you've made it this far in to the episode uh log on to floatconference.com actually we'll, we'll put a link directly to the voting if uh if you want to go to artofthefloat.com and uh vote for us there's actually quite a, a few different voters you don't just have to vote for one person so find the people who are interesting we are at the very bottom of the page uh which obviously they're saving the best for last so find us down there read about us our big thing is we want to provide value to you guys i think that's the whole thing with the show in general is we never um just want to lob something out there we want to provide value so if we're going on stage we we want to actually provide some content for you so that's our aim for for your float center and, and um, really letting your genuine self of who you are help you develop or create your float center and have that be good for your business. So that is, that is our aim. And if you want to hear about that with us on stage, we would love that because just like we're chasing those likes on Facebook all the time, oh, man, people in person watching you is like three likes at once. It's fantastic. So 
we we want some of those. Um, am I spacing on the conference dates? Is it twentieth and twenty first? Uh, and and yes. it would be nineteenth for uh, the workshops beforehand as well. I mean, really, gosh, yeah, show up early, stay late because there's so many people. Such such a cool community, and you want to spend time with them. And uh, yeah, whew, it, gosh, it's a, it's a sweet thing. It's a real tender, sweet thing. So floatconference.com is where you want to go for tickets. Uh, again, we'll put up the link on artofthefloat.com if you want to go to the voting portion. And uh, beyond that, uh, let's get to it. So competition. Uh, I, yeah, oh, oh, Lance, uh, yes. Uh, Sorry, I also heard there's going to be some really rare Pokemon at the conference. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the price of admission right there. Rare Pokemon. Uh, oh, I just had to. I had to. Competition. 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 That's what Pokemon's all about. All right. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's see here. In Float Facilitators, somebody went on and said, hey, I'm... Uh, just want to thank you guys for for all the good vibes and information and everything over the last few months. I'll be opening up in Portland, Oregon, and uh, just just want to say thanks. <laughs> and I was like, what? Okay. Uh, I thought I had heard that somebody was opening up um, a little. I, I had heard an inkling of somebody opening up uh, somewhere in Portland, and and it didn't super register with me because I mean you do hear about people opening up pretty frequently and it and it takes longer than you think and uh and oftentimes they they just it just never comes to fruition now there I should say that there is somebody else who I am aware of opening up in Portland um and this person has uh, been friends with us I mean like we we adore this person and we want their business to be super successful and I hopefully am doing a good job <clears throat> of, of sharing my information and the things that this person can do to uh, be as successful as they can be. Uh, so that was not the person who introduced themselves in Float Facilitators. And so um, somebody else asked, where are you opening up in, in Portland? And the address was about th- uh, 13 blocks east from us and, uh, and a couple blocks south or something like that. And so um, very nearby and the only other float center on the west side. So there's a big river that divides Portland. Um, I would, yeah, and, and uh, they're the only other person, uh, only other float center on the west side. And so it felt incredibly close to our, our float center. And it, it, from the very beginning, it felt so much like, man, Dylan, you talk about competition all the time. Like if you just go through all these episodes, we, we talk about it a lot and uh, the benefits of having competition in your city and nearby you, et cetera. And um, this just felt like, well, here's the ultimate test, you know, of, of somebody opening up right next door to you. And so, yeah, here, here goes. Like this is, this is going to be something uh, happening apparently this summer, which again, I, um, I haven't spoke to this person uh, yet, but uh that seems like a lofty goal to me, but but more more power to them if, if they're able to pull it off. I just just based off my own experience with people opening float centers, it tend, tends to take longer. So, how yes. many people are in Portland right now? Two point like the metropolis of Portland's <laughs> like two point three million. It, it's going to be something dense like that, yeah. And how many float centers are there? Uh, four currently, uh, and five in the works, and then a sixth one with this person. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, Just, that puts yeah, it in yeah. really good. Um, so yeah. So basically what I always preach to people is, 
Um, I make the same lame joke all the time, which is that Floaton and I can get into fisticuffs over customers when it's a saturated market. But at this point, there's no need to fight because we're only raising awareness about floating. And so having more float centers in operation only benefits the product. Does, does that make sense? Like if there was one yeah, yoga yeah. studio, they'd have to do all the marketing to raise awareness of yoga. But if you have several yoga studios throughout the city or at this point, arguably saturated where maybe they can go to fisticuffs, although something tells me yogis aren't going to be doing that. But uh, <laughs> that's that's when, you know, the, the teeter-totter has gone to the other side where you're not raising awareness anymore. There, there's a saturation point. I don't think Portland is at that point where we're saturated. Yeah, and there's places like Edmonton here in Alberta where uh, there are like 850,000 people and the surrounding market for float centers, I can give you 10 off the top of my head. Wow. And a lot of these places are running five plus float rooms. Jeez, that's you know. crazy. Yeah, and it's, you know, we were one of the first ones to open up in the province, and that was just over two years ago. Three of us opened up in three different cities at the exact same time. And now I think our province, I think we're over 20 float centers. You know, and Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I think so. So, you know, we could go into discussion of are there cities that are at that are saturation set. point? Yeah. That's that's an interesting idea. And like, I don't know what is the ceiling on the number of people per capita who are going to want to jump into a float tank. I, I don't know the answer to that. Nobody does because we haven't a we don't have saturation of awareness, but then, you know, finding um, or being the kind of business where people do want to get in there weekly we could probably do a better job. Like it's probably possible to, to encourage people to do that more often, say like get in the same practice as yoga. And, and we haven't, we haven't hit that maturity yet of, of uh, our clients doing that as consistently. Um, but, but just in general, I think, yeah, what, what you're saying is exactly true. Like I can go ahead and chill. Like <laughs> It's, it's yeah. totally okay. Uh, raising awareness. And the other thing I talk about all the time is, no two float tank centers are going to be exactly alike. Like your personality will define your business and the things that you prioritize will define your business. And uh, so we floated up float on when we uh, first started floating, we really enjoyed it. And we said we would, we have a vision for a float center that would be even more preferable to us. And that's not an insult to them. That's how you're supposed to do it. That's, that's business. Um, and, and how you're supposed to create a business and there should be a niche. It's not like one business is going to cover everything in regards to floating. Uh, so we opened our business with, with that in mind. And this next person should be doing the same thing, f filling a niche. Uh, and if they're not specifically targeting a different niche, uh, we'll simply provide a different ambiance and feel than our own. And so that I can be confident in. So uh, yeah, and they're actually, so from, from their point of view, they're in a really good place where by opening in Portland, float awareness is already relatively high to, to a lot of cities. And a lot of the marketing has, has already been done. So they're stepping into a place where it, it could be easy to, to get going. Lance, nope. you're shaking your head at that one. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I can't say a large part of the marketing has been done because I guarantee there's mm -hmm. still possibly hundreds of thousands of people in Portland yeah. that have never heard of floating. And maybe yeah. these guys are going to come in and they're going to grab that entire market that, you know, the, the existing centers have failed to do. I've seen that uh -huh. happening in other cities. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say the marketing is done. I think they're going to have to no, hustle no, 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 just no. as hard. The education may be out there and the awareness yeah. may be out there, but 
you know, it's it's still hustle time. I think the next five years in this industry, it's going to be hustle, 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 spread awareness, spread education. Like, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. I don't think anyone's going to step into one city and like all the work's done for them. No, 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 no. And, and I'm not making that argument whatsoever. But I do think that it's further ahead than if they had opened six years ago and it had to get that initial hustle Fair down of, of raising awareness. And so some of that groundwork is already laid out. Uh, now, the Amy, go ahead. I was going to say, there's advantages to both positions. Yes. There is yes. a big advantage to being the first and being yes. early, an early adopter. There is some advantage to coming in later, but um, the the difficulties and the challenges are just different. Um, so, yeah, it definitely does not make it any easier. They just might have different challenges than, than y'all did starting out. I think that's a really good point. Uh, if you go back, ooh, I'm not sure what number it was. One of our first episodes was with Andy Zaremba, and he was uh, promoting the hashtag Why We Float campaign. But something else that he talked about was his opening day numbers and the email list that he – oh, I think it was the email list that he had worked up. And he said he doesn't think that a second – uh, float center would be able to do the same kind of numbers that he did uh, because think... he was the, the grand opening. But I also work with a client who has a tremendous email list that will be able to at least do those numbers, if not more. Uh, and they're not the first float center. In fact, there's, there are several float centers in that city. And I, th- that person is going to, for lack of a better term, just crush it. <laughs> what were you going to say, Lance? Well, I was, I was going to say, I, I think I agree with Mike there. I think they did like forty grand their first day or $45,000 their first day. Like, I haven't heard of any other centers that can sort of brag of that, their first mm-hmm. day of opening, you know. Um, that is maybe the power of being first. You know, they're in a huge yeah. city. Vancouver's huge. And, yeah, they're a pretty forward-thinking, modern city and yeah and and that's and that's first day i mean by all means 40k first day and i'm not sure that it was 40k but it was it was a huge number but that is that does mean you're not if those people are actually floating you're not making money the subsequent days that people are coming in who paid for those floats already so there is also something to say for being able to make that on a longer portion of time like i think just different businesses approach it differently whereas that one was awesome big sale 40k in the bank Hard to yeah, say, hard to complain about that. When you're starting a business and you make 40K off day one, that, that honestly takes a lot of your stress away because you can pay for your employees, you can get ahead yeah, of game for that. Sure. There is a lot of advantages that come from making all that money up front. No, I, I'm not arguing yeah. that. The, I, uh, that yeah, I know. Like, call, we, we're Float on really made a big arguing. mistake by making 40K their first day. Like, really. Float house. Really. Easy. Or, Easy. Oh, did I, what did I say? You said float on. Oh, that's funny. They were on my mind because they did a Groupon when they first opened, and, and they had mentioned that that was actually kind of tough because, because then again, you, you don't make that money. And I, I don't want to speak for them. It's been years since we had this conversation, uh, and I, I don't want to speak for them, but th- there can be some risk to that. Uh, Although uh, I'm also assuming no, Groupon, you don't keep all that money, so it's, it's not as much. That is another good point um, when it comes to competition because um, since we are talking about competition, I should say, um, that cutting your price on stuff isn't going to necessarily make you win here. Um, Especially, uh, as I say, starting out with a low price like that. Like if you get 2,000 people into your door for $30 a float or something crazy like that through Groupon, Mm -hmm. are those customers going to want to pay back, come back and pay $70 for a float? Are they going to want to pay $60? Like... You're attracting people at the lowest price and then wanting them to pay more. Um, you know, that could be really tricky. 
I've yeah, seen I think, uh, I've seen some centers struggle from that where they came in with a right. really low price and they're like, oh, we're not making much money off this. Let's mm-hmm. raise our price. But then nobody wanted to pay that price because they were used to paying so little. Right. Yeah. You got to be super careful with marketing and pricing and discounts. Got to have a good plan well, I think Groupon, and have reasons for everything. Groupon feels like the lowest denominator for marketing. It seems like the absolute easiest because really you're not doing anything. Groupon is doing the work for you. You get paid for it instead of paying for the advertising and somebody actually gets to experience your product. So, I mean, I've mentioned it before. We do a hundred a month. We do a hundred Groupons, but that doesn't take our resources. It's, it's the easiest. And so if a lot of people are starting businesses and they don't know about marketing yet, that's going to be a pretty easy, I don't necessarily want to call it a pitfall, but particularly when, and we're talking about competition, you've got five different float centers, and this was spoken about at the last year's float conference, all doing Groupons at the same time. You guys are all shooting yourselves in the foot while trying to take care of yourselves. It, it's kind of this interesting dynamic that occurs. And I, I'm not saying Groupon, or in our case, Living Social, is bad. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to have a plan for yes. it. And you really have to, yes. to know how you're going to use it and what you expect from it. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that. But yeah, when you have several people doing Groupons, that does create a very interesting dynamic <laughs> within um, within the community. Now, uh, yeah. I, I will say that there is a float center in Portland that, as far as I know, has one going always. I, I don't know that they ever don't have one going. And I forgot about them years ago. I forgot that that was even going on years ago because they put a priority on their product differently than we do. And for them, it's cheap money. I mean, it's, it's a lower amount of money that's coming in. That's great. But they, they aren't retaining clients. Um, so they, they just keep keep doing these Groupon sales. And so I don't like it because it's potentially putting floating in a bad name where they might not have as good of experience as they come to, say, float on or the float shop, where I think we deliver some some really quality product. Uh, so So there's definitely a downside to it. But the flip side is we're able to have clientele that's consistent enough without having, even though you can always find a float on Groupon at any given time. It's not like the market is so flooded um, with only people who are willing to pay 35 bucks or whatever they're charging for a Groupon. So just to to go back to that, so are they using it as like as a loss leader basically? So they have other mm-hmm. services that Correct. that they're really pushing that their passion? Uh, I believe so. Um, <laughs> oh. I'm thinking, you know, and using a float tank for that purpose is not so bad, um, I suppose, because, uh, and that might, Groupon might work for them, because really what they're doing is they don't care if people, like you said, they don't care if people rebook. They're just there to get people in so they can preach their other services. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a loss leader, but that is a totally different experience, and people definitely up on that. I hope uh, so, because again, that that is my number one complaint, is that somebody's not going to float again because they had a poor experience. Um, like, no, that, that's not for me. And it's like, oh, shoot, hey, come come float with us, please, and let's try that again. But I don't get to ever say it to them because most likely they don't tell me. I, 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 I never met want, them. I don't want te- people to devalue their service. Like, mm-hmm. you spend all this energy building a float center, thousands of hours, all this money, and you're giving two hours of your time away for, you know, at, after a Groupon, 20, 30 bucks. I don't know what it is. I've never dealt with Groupon, but, like, I can't justify two hours of my time for $30. Like, for me, personally, $30. Like, 
I think I'll, I'll find a, a different way to get a client than, you know, someone well, who's willing to pay a bit I, more. Like, I think that, I mean, not to say that there's not value in what you just said, but I think there could be, that could be short-sighted in the sense that, sure, that person's only paying $30 now, but you could, that's a potential floater for life that you actually got physically into your float tank. And there's a lot of value there. And from that point, I think there's, how do you convert that person to somebody who's willing to sign up for a membership and actually does want to visit you weekly or twice a month or what have you. And that's, that's the game right there. And that's, that's where I think people fail all the time. One is they oversell. Um, and that's, that's the thing. Like if you're selling cupcakes and you sell a thousand of them, well, then you actually just took a loss on product and everything and, and you can't pay rent. And it's a little bit easier with, with floating because we don't have the ingredients in the product with, with the flat costs. Uh, but you can still run into not having a strategy for converting these people into full paying customers. And I, I think we do a decent job of that at the float shop. And many of our regulars were, were Groupon floaters. And I'll also say, as great as word of mouth is with floating, and actually, even if that Groupon person never comes back, guess what they're talking about at the party? You know, the, the fact that they had a float for the first time. So they just told five people and, and, and then on and then on, but uh, and who could potentially be interested to come in. But the other thing is, uh, so they come in, they have a float, they had a good experience and they leave, but how do, you, how do you convert them to becoming a member? And so we do the thing where, you know, if you're interested, now you can buy two for a similar price. It is a little bit more. And so we're incrementally bringing you up and how much you're paying until... Uh, you're on a membership if that's what you're interested in. And so if you're just drawing them in and saying Groupon's doing the work and I just let go of the, the reins, well, then that's that's the business owner's fault. You got to keep that hustle, that Gary Vee action there. You got to put in 51%, even if you're only keeping 50, <laughs> which, by the way, don't do a 50-50 deal with these guys. You can get a lot more than that. Uh, yeah. With the daily deal companies. What was that? Oh, nothing. Okay. <laughs> and I, I just, I, um, it's weird because I kind of get, I don't know if defensive is the right word about Groupon because I don't want to defend them because I don't think they give a crap about us. But I do, I don't like people completely, uh, um, what's the word? I don't know, just throwing out the concept of a daily deal altogether uh, when it could be beneficial to them. Uh, that, that's my personal take. Yeah, I, I, I don't have much respect for Groupon. One, because they constantly mm -hmm. email me and they're annoying yeah. as could be. And yeah. um, two, I have another friend that's he's quite prominent in the business world and he sees Groupons as sort of like businesses that, no offense to anyone using Groupon, is someone who's just like, that's a last resort, or someone that's, mm -hmm. you know, a business that isn't doing too good. When In the float industry, that may not be something, but there are lots of other businesses that use it when, you know, times aren't going well, and that's what they need to do. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to associate with Groupon, and, you know, I have nothing wrong with anyone who does. It's it's just my personal preference. It's my opinion, totally. my I view. I can totally respect that. I, th I think it's similar to you in life. You want to have multiple revenue mm -hmm. streams and in business, yeah. you should have multiple advertising streams yeah. and hitting sure. all the different demos, all the different strategies, mm -hmm. or at least the ones that move you, or at least you think will move your business or that bottom line. Uh, so Lance, I, I like what you had uh, to say about a neighbor coming in. Oh, sorry. Did you have more? No, no, no. Oh, 
Because it looks like he has something else you want to say. I was just thinking about Pokemon, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> Download the app after the show. We're recording right now. Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, so, so, Lance, what you had to say made me feel good about the fact that, yeah, it's totally okay, somebody moving into the neighborhood and, and opening a float setter. Like, no, I don't need to be threatened. Yes, this is probably the same thing Float On felt when we said we were opening. You know, they were nervous about another float center opening. Of course, we were nervous that, uh, you know, somebody was already established. Would we be able to even find any clientele? And uh, like, looking back at that now is so silly. And so uh, for us to be worked up about somebody else moving in, um, when, when they're probably the ones going, oh, my gosh, are we going to be able to find clientele? Yeah, no, they're probably nervous as can be. And, you know, the fact that they're able to find the float facilitators and join the group and start talking to people is showing that they, they want to be part of the community. They want to do the right. research. It may be a bit intimidating talking to yeah. the Dylan Calm, you know. <laughs> I would be. Hell, yeah. <laughs> so it's just... You know, we need to be welcoming to people that are starting up in our area, but it can be quite fearful. There is, you know, your whole life, you've well, not your whole life, but all the time you've invested in your float center, that is your child, yep. per se, you know, and that's, yep. oh, yeah. you know, you're scared that there's a predator moving up the street. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to put it like Let's that. Let's not but, put it on those terms, but yeah, yeah. It can feel that way. It can feel that it way. Can yeah, feel I feel that. Totally that's what I meant. It, it feels that way. It can be quite scary, but it's... Um, yeah, I don't think there's there's nothing to fear in, you know, a place like Portland where it's not saturated. You know, somewhere like Vancouver, yeah. what Edmonton's becoming, um, like Float House just announced uh, six cabins in Edmonton. That's huge for a place that already has, you know, 10 float centers. So that would be a little more worrisome being, and all these centers are less than two years old. So everyone's still oh, fighting for the market and fighting and for education. So. Are any of them going out of business? Have you witnessed any go out of business? Not in Edmonton. I have witnessed okay. one go to business in Red Deer, where my center is, but right, they right. really that didn't was care about what they were doing. So Yeah. I, I, the, the only reason I ask is I'm assuming everybody's doing a good job of delivering floats and some, some type of marketing. I'm just curious, where is that saturation point with a float center? And, and I'm sure there's a degree of where you are on the timeline of... So the float curve, like uh, of awareness and all of that, it's going to make a difference. But uh, can Edmonton feed I the families like, of, of those businesses currently? And then what about in the future? I don't know. I think you, like the numbers where I was running, I'm like, if you have one tank for every like 35,000 people in your city, uh -huh. you know, that's a, once you start reaching over that, like <laughs> things could get pretty, uh, I, I can't say that. I, I can't predict the future. I don't know. Right. Next week, we're going to have Chris on the show, and he wants to talk about the future of the industry. So um, that would be great. Who's I don't Chris? know where this Chris Petrovics of Pro Float. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know where the future is going, but I don't think we're going to oversaturate too soon, but we could. You know what I mean? Like, it all depends how we market, how we deliver our clients. Mm -hmm. Are we treating this like a one-time thing where you come and experience a float? Right. Or are you right. marketing it as a practice where when you incorporate uh, floating as part of your weekly or monthly routine to better yourself, um, you may have a lot better customer retention, which could help everyone, you know? And have we talked about this before with that? I've seen Joe Rogan fans come in, try it, maybe maybe twice, 
and they they tend not to come back as often. Um, we have the exact same issue. Okay. Well, you, it's because they're being educated by a dude that has a thousand hours in a float tank, like someone who's who's educating mm -hmm. people on floating that's floated that much to someone who's never floated before, and they get in, they want to be rid at that point. They want to be mm -hmm. interdimensional, intergalactic travels <laughs> through the time-space continuum of the mind. You know, that's that's what these Jorgen people want. But I think it's about educating them that, no, it's a practice. It, it mm -hmm. takes time to get used to the float tank, time to get comfortable, time to work through the, the internal library of the mind, you know? Damn. So. Damn. <laughs> I thought I was going to be dropping the... The, the the spirit bombs tonight. Nice spirit bombs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I love uh, it. Yeah. No, it's. Amy, what do you think about? Oh, we're so cute. We try to talk it, at the same yeah. time. <laughs> I was like, that's something we've um, about a year ago. We really tried to start uh, educating our clients on is floating is a practice. It is something that it's much like a gym. The more you go to the gym, the more you get from it. The more you go to the float tank, the more you're going to get from it. Whether it's pain mitigation or mental clarity or whatever it is you're seeking, the more you enter that space or the void, the more you're going to get in return. So nice. um, if you don't educate that to your clients, it's, it may be hard for them to understand that or know they have to come back repeatedly. Right. Managing expectations would be an excellent topic some week. Great. Thank you, Amy. I'll write it down. <laughs> nice. Uh, back to the saturation thing. Amy, do you have any thoughts mm -hmm. on that, on what a saturation point might look like, or if we're there or not? I, I don't think we're there, for sure. Um, now you are talking to me. I, Of course, because of the strict regulations in the state of Tennessee, and I think because it is such a new thing, um, we, you know, we have no float tank competition around. Uh -huh. um, I'm sure it's coming. Uh, we're getting to that point where I keep telling Mark, it's like one of these days we're going to hear about one, mm -hmm. another one here in Nashville. Um, but you know, we're at the point now we're still, you know, we're still not even filling our tanks. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of education to be done, but a second, uh, second facility, I, I keep thinking would be kind of nice to share the marketing dollars with, uh, <laughs> to help with right. the educational yeah. process. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't think we're there yet. We got a long ways to go. Mm -hmm. Long ways. Uh, and so, <laughs> let's see here so you were with float center oh, actually lance it was you actually at the at the before the show you were talking about um and i think it was because you were talking to your business coach the idea that basically your competition isn't just other float centers it's the wellness dollar and time somebody's willing to spend yeah um well when we when we started there's one other float center here and um they were i guess our competition but i think we see our competition more as basically anything wellness time related. Um, that could be yoga, massage, chiropractor, um, all these other different health related amenities that people are investing their time into and their money into. Um, no, they're not flotation. They don't deal with flotation, but we're limited on time and we're limited on money. People are often busy. They have a hard enough time slowing down to get in the float tank as it is, if they're spending their time at the yoga's place up the street, when they could be spending the time at your float center, they could be competition. Now, mm -hmm. take that with a grain of salt, for say, but I, we don't have any no, other I, float I centers don't... in our city, so that is our competition. We're not, they're not our yeah. competitors, but they're taking 
our customers, they're taking their time from us. I want them time. I want them in my float tanks. I don't want them in your yoga center. <laughs> yeah, they've got they've got $100 to spend. They've got two hours a week. Yeah. What are they going to spend it on? And, and I like to think of like our yoga studio as being complimentary, but the truth of the matter is it's not, most people aren't going to both. You know, there there is a, a pie of time and money that people need to slice up. And, and that, that's a really interesting point of view and v- extremely important. And I think also really helps you focus on who your demographic is. And mm-hmm. as, as Lance always likes, likes to say, your psychographic of mm-hmm. who, who are these people. Yeah. Uh, and I know that we saw in the beginning, we did have a massage room. Um, mm. It's always interesting. And Dylan, you're in the situation. Are your massage clients float clients? Are your float clients massage clients? Is there a whole lot of of um, overlap. In our case, there was not. Uh, it's still so crazy uh, to me. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh. but you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. To- totally cool in our case. And and speaking speaking of different people and competition, something else Amy mentioned before the show was a different kind of kind of similar but different competition of non float float centers. So it has been interesting to see how the wellness community has welcomed us. Um, I, you know, you expect how oh, I love them. I love everything they do. <laughs> you think about it as complimentary. And for the most part, it has really been a great experience, even better than I imagined. Uh, we have some really wonderful um, relationships with community wellness practitioners. Uh, but I noticed the one group that seems to be the most reticent and uh, seems to be the most uh, difficult for us to reach out to our uh, chiropractors. Hmm. Um, we don't get a whole lot of referrals from chiropractors, including my chiropractor, who I see on a, almost a weekly basis as of late, uh, who's right around the corner from us, like less than a half, less than a half a mile. Uh, no, no referrals huh. at all. Um, and we found out at one point that uh, one of the chiropractors uh, in town, uh, was telling people not to come to us <laughs> because she felt that uh, they would absorb the toxins that were left behind in the water from other people. Um, so I have, yeah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I said, so I was like, oh, really? What toxins would they right. be? Uh, could you explain those and how they got into the water? Uh, didn't get answers on that, but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so yeah, so it was very interesting to see how other people responded. To us and it was mostly chiropractic so when I sit down and think about who our competition is or um, who at least views us as competition it, it, in our case it seemed surprisingly was that was that chiropractic um, well uh, uh, group chi- or... chiropractors are quacks now obviously I don't really mean that what I'm saying <laughs> and I, I go to a chiropractor I'm just joking but what I mean to say is I wonder if this is actually more of a psychographic thing of maybe there's some defensiveness from from their point of view of not wanting to associate with another modality that sometimes people think is isn't solid science and so they're going no no those guys are woo woo the real stuff is here maybe, maybe there's just some innate built-in defensiveness there I complete some... random yeah. thought well, I obviously see lack of research by her chiropractor. Someone with a sure. doctor in front of their name can't do, you know, research on, on what flotation therapy is. <laughs> sure. And sure. that clearly isn't someone who wants to help their clients because we deal with other wellness mm. business and they want the best for their clients. Yeah, pair this massage up with a float. You'll be great. That's the guys down the road. You know, we want to mm. help you. We want you mm. to heal quicker. And obviously, you know, that chiropractor doesn't sound like he wants to help his clients. So. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's all right. We we want people to give us uh, referrals that are um, that they're excited to give and they see the benefits. So, so it's okay. But um, but it's definitely an example of yes, there is uh, we are competing for mm -hmm. dollars. I, I do want to say, like, I, I don't want to jump onto the idea that they, they don't care about their clients. I, I think there could be a lot of reasons for them yeah, I don't. going down there. But 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 I, I see what you're saying, though. Um, but with that being said, there's also not a ton of research on floating right now. Not not enough maybe to, to convince some people, even if they did want to to look it up, you know? We can call it decompression therapy, and that would be a reason why right. chiropractors wouldn't like it. You know, it, you know, <laughs> chiropractors seem like the pretty natural fit. I, I would have a hard time, hard time defending a chiropractor saying that you're probably going to absorb toxins, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anything else you guys want to say about the, the idea of competition? Well, what do you, you have some quote unquote competition coming to your yeah. area. Um, what do you think you're going to do? When this happens, are you going to be changing your marketing tactics a bit? Are you going to be taking, um, trying to be two steps ahead of the game? What, huh. what does this do to you? How do you feel about this? Do you feel like this is a good thing where it's going to bring out the best yeah. in you? Yeah, that's a, that's a good Are you really going to step back and just question. hope that your competition fails? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm just asking here. It's conversation. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good question. And I think I feel a little bit of fire under my ass to get our, get our shit in order, you know, like we're lackadaisical about our email blasts. Like, okay, I'm, I'm not very good at writing an email blast every month. Uh, so let's start putting that on our employees. Let's start using them. They're invested in our business. They care about it. They have intelligent things they want to say. Let's start uh, using them as well. Let's start using every part of this machine effectively. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm feeling that. Good. No, I'm not feeling like I, I want this person to go out of business. I think I lean more towards the side of they're going to help the industry in general, as long as they're holding themselves to a standard that <laughs> that I, I deem uh, high enough quality. Uh, and obviously, it's not my standards, but really, it's the population of Portland and their standards. So as long as it meets that point, then then I think it's a really good thing. I I will say I have some feelings about not being spoken to before now, although I also understand potential um, inhibitions to do that, like basically kind of fear of, of talking to your competition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it was kind of funny. So my brother just opened a marijuana dispensary, and, and um, I was uh, talking to him about all of this, and he just started laughing like a maniac at me. And I was like, well, that's my brother being an asshole. Okay, pretty standard. But uh, but when he started, when he, once he caught his breath, he was like, do you know how many marijuana dispensaries there are? And do you know how many are letting each other know that they're opening up or the kind of communication that goes on between them? Uh, he's like, there's none. Th that, that doesn't exist. And that's not true for, uh, that is true for most businesses is that there's no communication beforehand. And so when I felt my feathers ruffled for, for having not been communicated to, it was like, well, that's a pretty posh place to be where I feel like the community is this particular way. And I would expect that somebody else also handles themselves that way in this community when 
even even if that is true for the most part, that's going to be pretty hard to maintain as the industry grows. And it can't be expected. It can be something that we've, we aim for, certainly something that I want in our community, but it's certainly not something we can expect from businesses, period. So I'm <laughs> curious with this next, this next question here. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you... This person, this gentleman, introduced himself in Floats Facilitators Forum, yes. and he did not talk to you beforehand. So right. you've became aware of this gentleman, opened up a center, and you have said you have not reached out to him yet. What resistances have you been meeting where you have not reached out to this person, introduced yourself? Like you said, he didn't introduce himself to right. you. Once you found out about him, why haven't you introduced yourself to him? Uh, this is getting into some pretty nitty picky stuff, and I, I, I don't want to get into this to the point of making anybody uncomfortable or starting off this relationship on the wrong foot before it starts. Um, I would leave it, I w the way I want to leave it at is that uh, there has been communication in this person's direction, and it's in their court to. Uh, Okay, so Sandra said, uh, nice to meet you. We'd love to get together. Mm -hmm. And this person said, yeah, drinks would be awesome, uh, which, which is true. That would be awesome. And that person would direct message her. Mm -hmm. And she hasn't received that direct message. Okay. And it's been about a week. So mm -hmm. it's a busy time. You're starting a business. I get that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't want to throw this person under the bus or make any assumptions. And that's honestly, as we're going down this conversation, that's becoming my, my big fear is that I'm, I'm making this person out to be a somebody they're not. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I literally I, I have no information on this person at all. I don't believe that at all. What I was trying to get at with that question okay. is um, we say that there were this type of welcoming community and all this, mm -hmm. and, but it seemed like that was going one way. That was a one way thing. We want everyone to introduce everyone to the mm. centers that are already open. But mm -hmm. yet if we see someone that's opening in our area, we can't be resistant to, to talking nice. to them. We need to be like, we're, Hey, we're your neighbors. You know, we can help you out here. If not, here's some other means for information. Like, nice. I just wanted to tell yeah. people in the future, if someone's popping up, don't be scared to say hi. These people are just as nervous as you are meeting. And, right. you know, we're, we, yeah, I, we yes. love our and community I, that we have here. Like we just talked, the marijuana community does not have nothing like we have. And the only way we're going to keep this tight knit community is by going out mm -hmm. of our comfort zone at some times and, and having to overcome those fears. And that's beautiful. I love it, Lance. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's cash money right there. Like don't wait for the other person. You represent the community properly and you extend the, the handshake. Mm -hmm. I love it. And keep in mind that their response is not on you. All that matters is how right. you treat yeah. them and how you go out. Because I do know of a float center who um, had a visit from other float centers in the community, um, and they were not pleasant mm. visits. They were very unpleasant visits. Uh. Um, so, but that's okay. The person um, dealt with it beautifully, and uh, life goes on, and everything's been okay since then. Um, however, yeah, we set, we set our bars for ourselves. We right. are responsible for for our for what we do and how we respond yeah, and, and i think that's really beautiful and, and i think it's important to know that they might not want to be part of this community that's Fair great enough, yeah. like it it works for us that's yeah. cool and if if you're into pokemon cool if you're into digimon then play digimon like, <laughs> that's that's okay um it, this doesn't have to be the right thing for everybody uh I'll, I'll, although i would say perhaps walking 
directly into their business might be intimidating, especially if if mm-hmm. if I've been around for five years and I and I walk in, you know. Me personally, I don't think I'm a very intimidating person, so like maybe it, it could work for me. But you know, a Facebook message first, or, or reaching out by phone mm-hmm. and setting up an, a, a time where you can both meet on neutral ground, or you know, kind of kind of starting to bridge that, or 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 it's on their ground, whatever. But something where it's agreed upon and kind of kind of built towards, as opposed to showing up with a posse. That's good. <laughs> yeah, leave leave your brass knuckles at home, <laughs> that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's, it's good to live by. A little, a little, uh, little grace and diplomacy in in those first kind of setting things up. And and if they don't want your time or don't want to give you their time, that's fine. Move on. Um, maybe maybe try again. And if it's if it ain't happening, you know, if the girl's not into you, the girl's not into you. Move on. Like, there's don't focus on your that. stuff. Work on bettering yourself, Lance. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Any, anything else you guys want to share? Any more grilling questions, Lance? Hey, that make man. you super uncomfortable? Hey, no, it's, it's sometimes we have to be uncomfortable. Like, if, if we're having a conversation here, and I don't want to be one sided with anything. So if I see I an opening, know. I'm going to pull it. Like, I know. It's part I know. Of being a I know. It, it is. Host, you know, you got to. Exactly. You got to go oof, your comfort Tell Sandra about that. Yeah. It, well, it is interesting when we're bringing somebody else who, I mean, at least Sandra knows I'm doing this. This person, I have no idea if, if they know the show. Well, I suppose if they've been on Float Facets Letters this long, they, they have to. But, but you know, they didn't sign on for this. And so to, to bring them into discussion, well, gosh, God, that's really weird. Because on the other hand, it's like you have to be aware it exists because you've been in Float Facilitators. And then you're opening in a city where somebody has a podcast about it. So I guess in a way you're signing on. But that's not really how I want to think about it. Uh, I, I want to... No. Until this person is on the show, or you know, we have a conversation or something like that, I, I don't want to. Well, I want to be very careful about how I talk about it. I think what we did today is we just brought up a conversation point where, you know, mm-hmm. as this industry is growing, you know, people are running into this problem all the time. Like, I guarantee yeah, someone yeah. else that we know in this industry just found out that another center is opening <laughs> yeah. up on the other side of town and they're stressed. So, totally. you know, there, there may be a lot of people that get what they need from this conversation. I hope. I don't know who this gentleman is, but I hope we didn't throw him under the bus. We never meant to. It's just a, a conversation that needs to be had. We can't avoid these conversations. Yeah. You know, right, right. It's, no. it's part of growing. It's the growing pains of the and, industry, you know. And let's talk about another point you brought up, Dylan, is that it lit a fire <laughs> under your ass. Right. And I think that that is a healthy thing, and I think that's a good thing. Um, I can love the float center across the town um, and, and wish them well. But that does not mean that I am not going to step up my game uh-huh. I, you know, and be as competitive as crap um, to, to make things work, you know. Um, so competition is healthy and it's good and it forces us to refine everything we do. It helps us to look through things with a fine-tooth comb and... Uh, and be the best that we can. Um, and sometimes yeah. that's a side people are uncomfortable with as well. But competition is good. Yeah, cooperation and competition is, is the best. And it doesn't even take two to cooperate. You can cooperate with somebody who's who's not cooperating with you. And, and just mm. and use, use that for your own motivation. You know, here's a question I brought up in the meeting um, this week, a staff meeting. It's like, imagine we're a new competition in town. We have deep pockets. How would we, as competition, put our company out of business? And it's not a bad question to ask yourself. 
um, even if you don't have competition around. Hmm. Not a bad thing to keep in mind. <sighs> well, it, it, like you said, it's definitely making me think about putting my, my best foot forward and making sure our, our marketing is dialed. Even if it's something as simple as, hey, that newsletter thing we're supposed to put out monthly, <laughs> we, we should probably get on that. And yeah, but, but it also makes me think more creative, more creatively uh, by saying, like, let's, let's get our employees in on this. These people who are already motivated and, and want to be part of this, let's get their expressions out on, on paper. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's where Let I'm at. Let them play Pokemon. The, no, wait, no, that's your employees. My employees, no, oh, do not oh. play Pokemon. Or, we're a Digimon house. Um, my th- think that's our show i play pogs <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So old school yeah exactly uh if you guys have other thoughts on this whole competition thing if you have any thoughts or feels feel like we missed something leave us a speak pipe out of the float.com it's the gold bar on the left side of your screen that's where you can uh, leave a i think gosh i think it's like a five minute voicemail if you want to and beyond that uh, next week we have Chris, I'm not going to try and say his last name from, was it ProFloat? ProFloat. Up in Canada. And um, we're going to talk to him about some. All of Canada. (laughs) 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 We're going to talk to him about uh, float tanks, what people should be considering in their float tanks, and hopefully the the future of float technology as well, which I'm I'm interested in, as uh, there are a lot of float centers out there. Excuse me, float float tank manufacturers. Competition is good. I kind of want to know what the, the future of floating looks like for our floaters. So until next week, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. And until next week, have a good float. You're listening to Art of the Float.